0: I'm going to ask you to take and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. We're we'll going to be hitting a number of passages in Genesis 2 and 3, different verses. And again, it's, uh, we're in our study of longing for heaven, and so again, it's a little bit different that we're in a topical sermon series, and so we're going to be looking at different uh, perspectives on heaven and where it comes through the scriptures and seeing the truths of what it has to tell us. And so, again, I want you to use your hermeneutic uh, understanding as you study the scripture, which means you're asking three very specific questions. You're asking, who is it written about? Who is it written to? And then who and how does it apply to us specifically? What do we get out of the principles that are given? So, again, in these passages, we know it's uh, Moses that's writing, and he's writing by the power of the Holy Spirit about our beginning patriarchs, and specifically Adam and Eve, and he's writing it to the people who have just come out of slavery—four hundred years of slavery in Egypt—and now they're in the um, they're in the the desert land, and they're trying to get to the place of the promised land. And so he's writing to encourage them. He's trying to to write to give them hope, and he's saying this is why things have gotten so bad. Is because of the things that have happened before, but this is why we still strive to go to the promised land. And so we're going to be seeing how this impacts the original in the Eden, how we talk about heaven now. What does it mean to go to heaven now? And then ultimately, how do we look to the new heavens and the new earth that we so desperately want and need to come here upon this earth? So that's the setting of where we're going today. And so we're going to look at the the setting of Eden and its original purpose and what we did to mess it up. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer before we see uh, the verses that he has for us this morning. Heavenly Father, it's your word that you've laid out to us and you have revealed this to us by the power of your spirit. As you've given men uh, throughout the ages the opportunity to write down your word But Father, you still give us the Holy Spirit who is unchanging. And you give us the Holy Spirit today to come and to understand and to grasp. And then Lord, we ask that you would allow it to be applied to us. That we would see the things that have happened. That we would long for the days. That we would live in hope. That we would truly seek and desire to have communion with you. Lord, that we would obey your commandments. Lord, that we would protect your holiness. So Father, teach us and meet us here in a very real way. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Now again, I'm not going to deal with everything in the midst of these passages, so I'm not dealing with evil. Um, I'm not going to try to talk about all of the uh, curse effects that we're going to deal with as we look at this passage. So we want to kind of focus on how does this apply to what we understand about heaven and specifically uh, what happened So the first thing we're going to happen, and we're going to be going at a pretty good clip, so just hang on. There's a lot here. So we have, first of all, the glory of Eden, and we have a divine sanctuary. So the first thing I want you to grasp and understand is that it is a pattern. So God gave into Eden the pattern of what we know in the rest of the scripture, whether it's the tabernacle, whether it's the temple or even the new Jerusalem that's going to come down. We look at it from the perspective of the holy of holies, the place where God communes specifically with his people. And so even in the new heavens and the new earth, it's going to be a cube. And if you look at Revelations 21 and 22, it is that cube of the Holy of Holies. And it's where God will be with his presence with us in Christ and the Holy Spirit and God the Father. And so this is the pattern that's set out, first of all, in Eden. And it was a place where we were supposed to glorify and enjoy God forever, And so as it's a pattern, we also have to rewind it though. Even though it was sinless, there are still vulnerabilities in Eden. There is still there opportunities to have evil break in. I'm going to ask that you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 through 9. And hear the word of the Lord. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature, and the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we have this royal park that's given to us. And he tells us some very specific things in the scripture. The first thing, that it was beautiful. It was something that was pleasing to the eyes. And so it was something that God looked at and said was good, and it was very good. But it was also fulfilling from the perspective that God gave it there. And He said that the plants grew up and the trees and it provided fruit. It was fulfilling. It was food for them to eat. And not just food, but they were to eat till they're full. And so God gave them this blessing, and he said that it was good or very good, all except one thing that happens in Genesis uh, verses 15 through 25. The only thing that God says is not good in regards to this creation is he said it's not good for man to be alone. And so he creates from Adam woman. And again, I want you to understand that not until Genesis 3 is she become Eve, She's only known as woman in this part of the scripture. And as such, it's the understanding that God has brought both man and woman, not just specifically Adam and Eve, but man and woman. And that is significant for our understanding in regards to federal headship. But he brought man and woman and he brought them into the garden. And it was at his direction and for his glory, because he had created somewhat, if you want to get this, is heaven on earth. It's what we pray about. God, you know, bring down what's going on in heaven on earth. Well, he did that. And he gave it to Adam and to Eve. But at that point, again, man and woman. But he wanted to not just stay there in the Garden of Eden. He wanted the whole earth. Because the whole earth was unfinished. He wanted to expand the boundaries. He told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Because they were supposed to fill the earth with image bearers. The image bearers of God were supposed to go out into all the world. And as that was to to happen, then it was also supposed to be to give dominion. They were supposed to have rule over all living things. Both plants and every living thing that was brought before Adam. Adam. So they were supposed to have dominion over the whole earth and they were supposed to spread out over the whole earth. And they were supposed to be those perfect image bearers of God to take his earth and to make it into what heaven was. And so we have to see that there was the glory of Eden, but there's also the glory of man himself that was put in there. Now, I want you to understand that Adam was created gloriously because I think a lot of times in our day and age, we think of him just simply as a farmer. Oh, God created this kind of uh, backwoods uh, good old boy farmer and his name was Adam. And he he wasn't very smart. He just kind of went around and did what God told him to do. I I want you to, to throw that out of your mindset. Adam was created sinless. He was created with a sinless mind and a sinless body at this time. One of the commentators said, think of Adam being able to have the eyes of a hawk or an eagle. There's There's no degradation to his eyesight as of yet. For him to have dominion over all the animals, would he have had to have the strength of a bear or a lion to subdue any animal that was put here on earth? Adam was created in the image of God and he was created gloriously. And then he was given a specific purpose to be and what we find out what were to be is he was supposed to be a prophet, priest, and king. Sound familiar? It's the, the offices that Jesus fulfills. Prophet, priest, and king. And so as we look at the book, Adam was supposed to be the king. He was supposed to be the image bearer. God spoke all over creation into to being by the words of his mouth. He forms Adam from the dust. And then he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And he gives to Adam morality and spirituality. Adam knows right from wrong. Adam knows that it was wrong to eat of the tree. He was given the command and he understands it. And so we were made distinctive from all the animals, but he was also called to be the regent. He was supposed to be the ruler on behalf of the king. And so what happens during this time period is kings would go out and they would mark their boundaries. And they would put the head of the king, the image of the king, on the boundary markers. So you knew when you entered into that person's kingdom. Now it's no different today when we put like our state signs. Right? I mean, they're just arbitrary lines. You don't see it. They're, they're everything there until you get to the Welcome Center. And you see the sign. Welcome to Florida. Come get a free glass of orange juice at our Welcome Center and get discounted tickets to Disney and blah, blah, blah. So we we do it today. We have these boundary markers. But the difference was, is that God told Adam, hey, you're supposed to be my image. You're created in my image and you're supposed to continue. And as you go out and you continue to go forth into all the world, it's going to expand the kingdom. And people are going to know when they see you that they're in my kingdom. And so that's how God created him to be as a king. But he also created him to be a priest. Now, how do we get this? Well, one of the things that priests do is they have the communion with God. They're the ones that speak on our behalf to God. And so there was communion that was happening with Adam in the garden. We know that because it says that God came and spoke with him and walked with him in the E, in the garden when it was cool. And he would come and have that relationship But one of the charges that he gives to Adam in regards to to taking care of the garden is he says, I want you to take care of the sanctity of this garden. So it's a it's a charge that's given to the priests later on in scripture. And so he was to serve it, and it's the Abad in the Hebrew, and it's a word that means to serve, and it was he was supposed to be about God and fulfilling his responsibilities. So he was supposed to be tending the garden. He was serving God. And listen, when we get to the new heavens and new earth, work isn't stopped. We still have the privilege and the honor to serve the living God in the new heavens and the new earth. But there's also another thing that he was supposed to do as a, uh, as a priest. He was also supposed to protect. And it's the word shamar in the Hebrew. And he was supposed to guard the purity Of the holiness of the garden. So he was given this um, opportunity to be not only the regent king, but he was also to to serve and to protect, but he was also given the place of a prophet. He was the first one who was given God's word. Now, again, we, we get God's word through the scripture. Adam spoke with God. And he was able to hear God specifically come to him and say, hey, this garden I'm placing you in, everything that you see that's good to your eye, everything that's going to nourish you for all eternity, everything that is, everything that I have that I'm giving to you, even the tree of life. He didn't say don't eat from the tree of life. He says there's one tree, one tree only that I'm telling you not to eat from. Because if you eat it, then you're going to die. And so he gives this to Adam, and Adam has the opportunity to obey or to not obey. And we obviously know where we're at now. But he was given this opportunity to be this prophet to keep God's word, but he was also told to teach God's word and protect his family. Men, you are called to be the spiritual head of your home. You're told to teach, to disciple. Go to the class. We are to be disciplining others about God's word. And so from the very beginning, it was set up, this is what Adam was supposed to do. Now we know the rest of the story. Because we turn to Genesis 3 and we read this. See, we have an assault now on the glory that was given. So that Eden was given to be a heaven here on earth. Adam was glorified as an image bearer of God. But now there's an assault on the sacred. And again, we just talked about he was supposed to be a priest. So he was one who was supposed to be protecting the sacred things. Now, there's a, there's a few things that should make you kind of go, Huh the first thing is it talks about a serpent it's not necessarily a snake so maybe the snake gets a bad rap here and the tree isn't an apple tree so if you say you don't like apples it's not because of this it doesn't say what kind of fruit was on the tree of knowledge of good and evil but it's also something else as it says that the serpent was more crafted than any beast of the field and also the serpent speaks now God doesn't tell us any other animals speaking that has come before Adam. Now, if you're Adam and you're supposed to guard the sacred and you're supposed to have dominion over all of creation, don't you think Adam at this point should have just cut the head of the snake off or the serpent? Sorry. What are you doing talking to my wife? You're not supposed to be here. But Adam allows the serpent to come into the holy of holies. And only come to the holy of holies, but then he begins to assault the word of God. So Satan, in the the form of the serpent, according to, to Revelations 12, 9... He inhabits the serpent and speaks to Eve and so therefore mars the thing that was created to be holy. But it doesn't stop because the serpent now continues to talk to Eve. Now, let's not be too hard on her <laughs> because there's some things that Eve does very well in the midst of this passage. Because the serpent comes, and the first thing he does, and he he doesn't attack the word outright, but he twists the word of God. This this is why I I want you to always be very careful and why I gave you the warning last week of don't be one verse or uh, one word, theologians. Because it matters the truth. And so... Here is the serpent and he comes in and begins to question Eve. And he says, did God say you're not allowed to eat of any of the trees in the garden? That's not what God said. But he comes and he, he just twists it a little bit. Now here's where Eve does okay. She corrects him. You're not right, Mr. Serpent. God said we can eat of any tree in the garden except this one but she doesn't stop there she adds to God's word (laughs) she modifies it she makes it more than what God said and there's a danger for us as well when we go beyond what God has said to us for she goes and says she told us hey he told us not even to touch it otherwise we're going to die now, again, Adam, if he was doing what he's supposed to do, now at least he should have cut the serpent's head off. But He doesn't. He allows the serpent to continue to speak. And so now the serpent not only twists the words, but now he mars the word of God itself. He says, you're surely not going to die. You know why God is doing this to you? Because he doesn't want you to be like him. Don't you want to be wise like God? You like God, you speak with Him every evening in the cool of the garden. Don't you want to be like Him? Don't you want to know what He knows? Because here's the thing He doesn't want you to know everything, He wants to keep you down. And so Satan mars the word and he says to her, the divine law that God has given to you is unreasonable. God is an unreasonable God. And so it says in the scripture that therefore Eve, or woman at this point, was deceived, truly deceived by the serpent. But I want you to grasp and understand something, and this is probably the most Uh, worrisome to me, probably the most, uh, this is truly could be the worst day ever in our creation. Because what it says in scripture, as Paul is talking uh, to Timothy, is he says this about this passage. And Adam was not deceived. But the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Now here's what I want you to, to grasp and understand from this. So Eve was legitimately deceived by the serpent. So she saw that it was good. She desired it. She wanted to be wise. And so she takes, she's deceived by the serpent. She takes of the fruit and she eats it. But scripture says Adam was not deceived. So why did Adam eat? It's his heart. Adam was willfully, willfully sinned against God and his word. It wasn't accidentally. He willfully goes and he assaults the image of God himself. And we understand that it's truly a heart issue. Because he did exactly what he, the opposite of what he was supposed to do. He was to protect the woman that God had given to him. He was supposed to protect the garden that God had placed him in. He was supposed to protect the holiness, and he doesn't. And so he mars the image of God. And then what follows in verses 8 through 24 is the consequences of that. The consequences of our, the image. And I told you we're not going to deal with it. But here are the things that happens. The eyes were opened. And it wasn't that they were wise like God. Now they knew that they were naked. And so what's the first thing that they do? They hide from God. These people who got to commune with God in the garden and speak with him and have a relationship with him now hide from him. But when God comes and he brings out their confession of their sin, as they start to, to, to talk to one another, what happens? They start to blame others. Adam blames the woman. It's the woman. Now again, we live in a in a sinful world. So from the very beginning, even when you were dating your spouse um Young people, even when you look to date the person that you're going to date and ultimately marry and all that kind of stuff, here's the reality they're not perfect. They have problems, they have issues. Some of them are very serious. Adam and Eve didn't have that, they had a sinless relationship. They were perfectly known by one another and they perfectly loved one another until Adam chooses not to. And not only does he blame the woman, but he blames God. Hey, you messed up the whole system because you gave her to me. I would have been content with the animals. But no, you put me to sleep. You took out my rib. You brought me this woman. And look what she did. And what does Eve do? She doesn't say, it's all my fault, God. Take my life. Let my husband live. It wasn't his fault. No, it goes right down to the serpent. Hey, all those animals that you created, those living things, that was a bad thing, God. Because he deceived me. And so now there's tension within relationships. And we deal with it all the time. And not only that, then he brings about curses. Curses upon the serpent, curses upon the woman, and curses upon the man, and curses upon the whole earth. No longer is it ever going to be able to be a heaven on earth that we go out and take forward. Smart! creation is messed up now that's why the scripture tells us we long it longs it cries out god how long and so we have this this glory that's lost heaven's lost here on earth but he doesn't leave us without hope Because even in the midst of this, he automatically starts to say that the glory is going to be restored. And I want you to to grasp and understand that the New Testaments, both of them start with a man being tempted. It's why we talk about um, federal headship. Because there's the first Adam who was put into the garden, sinless, and he fails. Fails to do what he was supposed to do. But we're given Christ who becomes our headship in regards to righteousness. He is the one who comes not just as the second Adam, but he comes as the son of God. That's why this is a big deal. It's a big deal for us to say, did did Jesus come from a virgin girl? That's a big deal. Because if he doesn't come from a virgin, then he was marred just like the first Adam in his sin nature. He can't be the savior And he has to be truth. He has to be God. He has to be the one who gives to us his righteousness. Because the first Adam was created from dust. Jesus was the second Adam who was co-equal and eternal with God. And because of that, he comes and brings about restoration. And what does he do that the second Adam didn't? He destroys sin and death. All Adam had to do was cut the serpent's head off. Get out of here then he and Eve could have ran over to the tree of life boom all of creation heaven on earth for all eternity but Jesus had to fix it so he has to kill sin and death by going to the cross by paying for our sins taking death upon himself So that we wouldn't have to. And then he goes about, not only does he take care of those things, but he brings about restoration. Making all things new. You are a new creation. And we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Which means we need to be in the word. We need to be praying. And we should be different than the rest of the world. I got to watch a very bad game yesterday with Neil. (laughs) I'll say nothing else. <laughs> but during some of those delays, they they went to a game where um, the coach was at a school that should have not beaten the team that they beat, and they beat soundly. And they were interviewing this man, and he was talking about, and they were talking about why he brought his team together at, uh, at midfield after the game. And they all knelt, and they prayed, and this man was able to say, Because faith is a part of our culture on our football team. And we look beyond just football. And God has given me this place and this opportunity, this stage, to say how much he means for me. And I love my kids more than just for what they bring on the football field. He's different. He is bringing a part of heaven on earth. When we respond in love to other peoples, we bring heaven on earth. We're being transformed into the likeness of the second Adam. And as that happens, then we recognize that again, we're supposed to be doing the things that he did. And so there is the sense of we're supposed to be that high priest. We're supposed to have that communion with God. And you have it in prayer. And and again, I think we think of prayer sometimes as boring. Is God really listening? Are my prayers really getting anywhere? But I want you to truly grasp and understand of all the religions, all the world religions, no one else gives you the opportunity to speak to God. Every other place, you're groveling. You're groveling before a God who you're crying out to and saying, please don't do bad things to me. Take my food, take my money. I'll I'll come and do and go places each year for you. Just please don't abuse me. We have a God who told us in the prayer that we've already said, we get to call him daddy. Dad, I've got some issues Dad, I've got some things I want to talk to you about. And he hears you. Yes. (laughs) Preach it, Rowan. But we have this opportunity where our, listen, our personal relationship is restored to God. And he gives to us, he gives to us the Holy Spirit. There is something different about Christians. And as we are given the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit given to us, we are reminded that there is a sacrifice, the one perfect sacrifice. Because Christ loved and protected who? His bride. He protected his wife. And only did he protect his wife, but then he tears the curtain from the top to the bottom. That's at that passage when he dies, the curtain's torn. The Holy of Holies is opened back up. No longer do we have to go through a priest. No longer do we have to kill animals. No longer do we have to spread blood and sacrifices. It's done. Because Jesus has paid the price. And then he allows us to be the prophet's. Because he is always faithful to his promises. So we always have the glory of the future that transforms our sense of shame now. I want you to hear that again. The glory of our future with him transforms our sense of shame now. Nothing you have ever done or will do if you are a Christian can separate you from the love of God. Some of you need to hear that because you've so beaten yourselves up that you think that you've done something that God cannot forgive and that is a lie of the devil. And so he comes and he says, I'm giving you this glory because what he tells us is true. Jesus is truth and the word is truth. And so he transforms us into what we were originally created to be. Prophets, priests, and kings. And I want you to turn, we're, we're closing now, but I want you to turn in your Bible, I didn't want to just put it up there, to 1 Peter chapter 2. So on your device, or in your written word, and I want you to put a bookmark at it if you have... Um, a device, put a bookmark on it. If you have a Bible, I'm telling you, mark this page, curl down the edge of it, do whatever you need to do, but you need to be reminded of this passage, 1 Peter 2, starting at verse 9. But you, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, and that's what we are. We're sojourners and exiles. And we're to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers. evildoers, Now listen to that. Non-Christians will be speaking against us as evildoers. And we're here today. It's happening. But your conduct that they might see your good deeds. And listen and glorify God on the day of visitation. You are a part of bringing heaven to earth. So we have only lost paradise momentarily. Because of Jesus Christ, paradise will be restored on earth. And that is the hope. And that is our comfort for all who live in a sin-cursed world. Paradise is certain. And it's hope for all who put their trust in Jesus Christ. My prayer for you is, where is your trust? The desire would be to be in Jesus Christ and him alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we took what you gave that was good and very good. And we as mankind fell in our duties and our requirements. And yet, even in the midst of us allowing your creation, your world, your image to be marred by sin. You still loved us. And still love us today. And you pursued us. You clothed us. You protected us. But more than anything, you promised to us that there would become one who would be our savior to pay for our death sentence, but who would give to us his righteousness so that one day we would have the privilege, whether here in the earth that's now, or Lord, I'd love for you to come back now and that already established the new heavens And the new earth, so that we can go back to your original plan, communing with you, serving you, seeing this world as an adventure that you've given to us to go out and glorify and honor you in all things. And Father, as you increase our desire and understanding and that longing for heaven, Lord, may you change our hearts and our minds about the people that are around us, Lord. Lord, that we would not be okay for people to be going to hell and we don't give a rip. Lord, may we pray for our neighborhoods. May we pray, pray for our coworkers. May we pray for those people that we see in line at the grocery stores or pray for the people that are at school with us or on our teams. That we would be given the opportunity to preach the gospel, that they might have the eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand that they need the Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that we have hope and a hope that is assured that one day we will be with you forevermore. That's what we look forward to. That's our hope and our desire to glorify you and enjoy you forever. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. Amen.